Welcome back to the Her Advantage podcast. I'm your host, Mel, and this is episode number 15. This was a very fun episode to record. I interview my friend, Amy. Amy is creator of the Warrior School and host of the Warrior School podcast. And Amy honestly has been a little bit of a mentor over the last couple of years. We have since got to know each other pretty well and which we'll dive into a little bit more information once I hit play on the recording. But Amy has two really strong beliefs. One, that women know what they want and two, that she, that she recommends taking the long way home to get there. Now, this doesn't make a lot of sense without much context, but Amy teaches women to create strong foundations and relationships that they love and cherish and have forever. She uses training as her mode of communication, but her women excel in lots of different areas. This episode covers a lot. This episode, we chat about things like relationships and not in the romantic sense, in in terms of friendships and in terms of food and in terms of movement. And we also talk about coming into parts of our lives where we might need to redefine them and grow. We also delve into the concept of who's sitting at your table. This was a concept that I brought up with a phone, in a phone conversation I had with Amy a little while ago and we really deconstruct it and Amy puts in some great visuals about what the table looks like, why it's important you might want to start creating your board of directors and of course we chuck in a few fun questions in the end so that you can get to know Amy a little bit outside Warrior School. So without further ado, let me hit play. As always, if you enjoy this episode, please share it with someone you think might also enjoy or hit us up on Instagram and tell us what your favorite part was. Enjoy. Recording. Hello, Miss Amy. Hi, Mel. How are you? I'm so well. (laughs) Our go-to lady, she's told us that we we can start recording in progress. What would we do without her? I know. Probably <laughs> just talk and talk and talk and talk and realize that we've had three hours of conversation but haven't recorded it. <laughs> and no one would be able to listen then and chime in on their way home. It would be a terrible feat. I know. So thank you to the Zoom lady. <laughs> For bringing us here today. That's yeah. our practice of gratitude. Yes. So, Amy, I've brought you on my podcast today because we're just going to dive straight in. Amy and I have been talking for like half an hour about all the good stuff. You guys are just going to get the boring stuff now. We're really sorry. Um, <laughs> I hope I don't bore you for, for the next hour or you so. You won't bore them. Guarantee you won't bore them. Um, but I brought you on this podcast today because... I'm just going to embarrass Amy first up, um, you know, and then 
Amy's podcast has been something that I've been listening to for a very long time. Amy and I have connected through our business membership. And before that, she was someone that I followed on Instagram as this woman really leading the way for how women treat their body in the health and spit fitness space, spitness space, new word. Um, mm. And it's funny, I don't know that I've ever told you this, but when I first joined Creator Club, John was like, yeah, you should just chat to Amy. And I was like, just chat to Amy? Like, I can't just chat to Amy. <laughs> oh, God. And now I chat to Amy and I'm like, fuck yes, Amy. Um, so part of the reason I've invited you on this podcast is because of your ability to one, articulate who you are, the way you lean into discomfort and which then leads into your way of like making decisions and welcoming friction. How do you feel about that? Well, first I am so excited to be here. It's a pleasure. Uh, and thank you for sharing that. I think you've actually shared that with me in some form or another once before. Uh, and it's super cute. Sometimes I'll jump on a call with a woman and she's super nervous and she'll be like, I, I really, like, I can't believe I'm like, I'm sitting here talking to you. <laughs> like in real life, I guess as real life as you can get through zoom but uh yeah it's it's really I guess it makes me feel how does it make me feel I think it's it's just a pure pleasure to do this work and like when I connect with women like yourself or even the women that I get on calls with like they're the heart of my work like you're all the heart of my work and I honestly believe that we've got to fill our room full of other powerful women. And we can talk about your table analogy today, uh, which I absolutely love. I'm obsessed with it. I'm also obsessed with the word obsessed right now and the concept. <laughs> but, we welcome word no, of the week. Yeah. <laughs> so for those of you who don't, no, or don't listen to my podcast. I get obsessed with words or concepts. And so my entire desk has normally got post-it notes that have words or concepts that come from uh, sometimes my own mind, but normally from conversations. And this is why, you know, we can talk about this, you know, who's at your table and fill your room with powerful women, because it's really a circle of inspiration. And even though, you know, you felt that way before connecting with me and the women feel that way, I learn just as much from them as they do from me. And we create this really cool circle of inspiration, uh, whether that's within my school or even just within the community or the space or the world or the platform. Uh, yeah, so I love myself a good concept. Right now, I really like the concept of obsession. But yeah, I, um, I'm obsessed with building really powerful relationships with women. So, yeah, oh, how it's long a pleasure to identify be that. Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> um, where did you, where did you first come to that realization that it was about making these women the heart of your world? 
Yeah, that's a really good question. Uh, and I was trying to think, because I've thought about it before, and I was, I always try and think about, was there like a time or a moment where that was like an intention or a mission of mine or something that I wanted to create within my world. Like I wanted women to be the heart of my work and, and that's what I wanted to do. I don't know. There's a part of me that always, that believes that it was always in me. And that like might sound a little bit woo-woo or wanky, but I just you know, I, I believe that it was always in there. Uh, and I just had to obviously go through some of my story to allow it to be released out. Uh, it was probably five, six, maybe six years ago now where I knew that I wanted to just work with women. I knew that I wanted them to be the heart of my work and like my mission and my purpose in my life. Uh, and since then, yeah, all my work has been dedicated to them. And that is from what I have built. So I'm going through a little bit of a hard time with like a reinvention right now. But a thing that's really come up for me is looking at what I've built in my life and then how can I teach that? And so for so long, training was... I guess center stage, you know, she was like the Beyonce. She was the main act. And I, I, in my work, I had all of these backup dancers. But what I'm starting to realize is that training is a part of it, but there are so many other pieces. And so right now where I'm at is I'm looking at all the things that I've built uh, and how I can teach that to other women. What does that what can you talk about some of the things that are coming up in that? Like if it's not just training, what are some of the themes or ideas that are coming through? Yeah. So as I said, I'm obsessed with, with the, with the concept of obsession, but I'm obsessed with the concept of relationships right now. And this came up, I don't know, probably a month or two ago. I just started to think of this idea of relationships and how in our life, we're in relationships with not just other people. And I think when we say the word relationship, automatically the mind thinks about relationships with others or our intimate relationships. But what I'm really fascinated with, and I think I've just found some language and sometimes it's like the language or a concept that can help us the most. It's like we know that or we're kind of even doing that but until we can like label it or like package it or, or I don't know, it just hardens sometimes if we can put like a concept to it or some, some language. And so I started to think about the relationship that we have with ourselves and our body and training, the relationship that we have with food, the relationship that we have with our life. If you think of anything in your life, you have a relationship with it and what is the quality of that relationship like? Is it powerful? Do you want it to be powerful? What kind of relationship do you want with that thing? And if you're not in a relationship with that thing that's powerful, that's helping you get what you want, how can we change that? Uh, so 
we bring it back around to thinking about, okay, what have I built? Uh, I've built a really powerful relationship with myself and my body and training. I've built a really strong relationship with training, with the actual practice. Uh, I've built amazing relationships with women that are leaders in this space. Um, I've built a very, very cool relationship with my, I don't like to say partner. I think that's super uncool. So I love to say lover, but he's not like my like lover on the side. Like a little poor boy. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I feel like sometimes when I say Carson, my lover, um, people just think that he's literally just like my lover. He is my partner, but I've built this, you know, this magnetic, passionate, meaningful relationship with him. So I've just been thinking about all of the things that I've done or built in my life and then how I did that and how can I teach that? And it connects in with like the work that I do now, uh, but it's just getting a little clearer uh, on it. And so when you were, before we started to record, and the whole concept of your pod podcast is like her advantage. Like what did you use to your advantage to, you know, get what you want or feel better or, you know, whatever it is. I would say that I very much use my relationships to my advantage. Uh, and I didn't really know that before. And I've just really become aware of that that I've spent a lot of my life and a lot of my time really working on the relationship that I have with myself and my body and training. And so that's, yeah, I guess that's, now we're here. That's I'm in cool. my red shirt. <laughs> the um, reinvention shirt. Yeah. I just, I needed some inspiration one day. So I had to quickly go a buy a bright colored shirt um and I put it on and it helped to work through some stuff that I was going through <laughs> when I was it was a bad day and so I had to get my nails done and I had to buy a red shirt and then I was like okay let's go let's tackle this let's I can tackle, tackle this yeah let's do it of, <laughs> yeah of like a reinvention or uh you know a redefinition I guess and now you've identified this reinvention, like so it's around relationships. Well, not identified as such, but you're starting to come to a familiarity with what it might look like and what it feels like and that sort of thing. What are you feeling around the reinvention? Is it a little less daunting? Is it a little less or are you leaning into it more? <laughs> yes, so... I know that you writ, uh, like wrote on your notes uh, about like friction this morning and like discomfort <laughs> and we've spoken about it before. Mm -hmm. uh, so I guess to give a little bit of a context, uh, like a month or two ago, uh, I came to this place in my business and some even parts of my life where I needed to like redefine them or reinvent them so I could grow, um, especially in the business. And so thinking about that idea or that concept, 
sent me and my biz, our business coach asked me four questions. And those four questions or those four prompts that he asked me sent me into a massive spiral. That I Thanks, just John. Was stuck in for weeks. I was stuck in this spiral thinking about these four fucking questions. Did you tell him that? <laughs> yes, I told him. Of course I told him. Yeah. And in the end, he's like, oh, well, if you're not finding the prompts helpful, just leave them. And I was like, what? I have spent six weeks spiraling out of control, trying to answer and come up with with the answers for these prompts. What do you mean leave them alone? And I still can't. They're still in my mind. Uh, And so that coaching call in August and those four prompts and this whole idea of like, shit, I'm going to have to like, create something I'm gonna have to flip it on its head essentially I'm gonna have to create some big change uh and that was I got really stuck and so then I used training and I trained a lot and I used a lot of hot cold exposure basically I put myself in a lot of physical discomfort so I didn't have to (laughs) so I didn't have to think about all the thoughts and the feelings that were causing me mental and emotional discomfort uh which is a bit of a pattern in my life (laughs) that I do. Uh, But I stopped doing that and I sat into this whole idea. We had another coaching call and I'm excited. I'm I'm still feeling a little friction, a little discomfort around it because basically it's asking me to step into being like something else, yeah, like, This whole idea of you talk about this table, you know, who do I want to sit at the table with? And I love this idea. I love this concept that you should copyright or whatever it's trademark or whatever it's called. I I should probably figure out where I got it from before I decide to trademark it. But yeah, Yeah. (laughs) as a bit of context, Amy and I were chatting a little while ago. We've got a big meetup in... um, November and I was like tossing and turning whether I would go and I was like you know what at the end of the day I need to decide who's sitting at my table and these people that are going to the meetup I want at my table so it was just a no-brainer anyway continue Amy and I love it and I I love this idea and this concept and it gave me a bit of an idea for a podcast. I had a concept written on a post note, which was comparison. Um, we all love us a bit of comparison. <laughs> uh, but when I, we had that conversation or when you wrote that, that kind of, I was like, yep, okay, I've got to do a podcast episode and talk about that concept. Because when we look at someone else, and I'm just going to use women because you know, often we a lot of women will look women, at, yeah. yeah, we both work with women and women will look at other women and we feel, we just, we compare and then we go into a spiral of not being enough and, you know, not worthy enough, or we actually can, we can go the other way and then we judge and we shame other women And so I was just trying to put a different spin on it when I was talking about comparison and how I don't think that it's a bad thing. I think it's actually, it can be a really cool thing if we decide that it inspires us. And so taking your concept, I was just rolling with that. And I was like, you know what, actually, yeah, if we can think about all of the things that we want in our life 
and we're in this chair. You know, it might be maybe the shitty plastic chair at the children's table, but isn't super comfortable and we don't really want to be in that chair and we can see all of these other beautiful chairs and they all look different. Maybe they're different heights. Um, maybe they're different fabrics, different costs. And basically we're looking at this one chair at the table. Yeah. And we want to be in that chair. Maybe we see a woman in that chair and that's what we want so badly. But what we do a lot of the time is then we just compare ourselves and that comparison is not inspiring. And so then we get stuck and then we never can really get to the table or get to the different chair. So thinking about, you know, in life you have tables and chairs and it's not musical chairs, okay? But this is not where I'm going with it. And you want all of these things uh, when it comes to, your body, your health, your relationships, and you're in a chair. And what we need to do, like Mel said, we need to decide who do I want at my table and how can I get to the next chair? And having a table full of women that have done what you want to do, I think is so inspiring. Ah. Uh, and so when I think of my table, I've always found people that are in bigger chairs than me, <laughs> that are in way sexier chairs than me. And I'm like, I want to be in that chair. Let's go sit at the table with that woman. And so I go sit at the table. Have I always felt like I belonged at the table? No, not at the start. But again, coming back to like this feeling or this knowing that I've had inside of me, I've always known that I was meant to do big, great things. I've just always known that. And I think I've always known that I was meant to sit at a table with a lot of other women that are doing amazing things to help a lot of women that are in the plastic chairs that really want to get to the to the big table um, in the big chairs. So heck yes. <laughs> I will raise my glass to that. It's yeah. just a like. And again, like I said, I have no idea where I've pulled this idea of a table and everyone's sitting there, but I'm really enjoying that there's different different types of chairs and everyone has their preference and all those sorts of things. And there's nothing wrong with the kid table. You know, there's probably fairy bread and <laughs> cordial and stuff down there. Um, but it's really sometimes, you know, if we use our relationship as an example, you know, like that conversation I said at the beginning, I'm like, oh God, Amy, you know, and now I'm like, no, this woman is someone, she's a human being with feelings, values, relationships, hobbies, all of these things, but she's just done the work to get the things that she wants. And so she is just a human being. She's not anything more or less than I am. And she's probably got lessons to teach me in the, the work that she's done, right? Yeah. And it can be the same for our health and our training. So often we look at other women and we just compare ourselves to, you know, what they look like or, you know, what they can do in their training. Uh, again, is it, if it's coming from a place of inspiration and you're so curious and that drives you to want to go and sit at the table 
to pull up that little chair, your kid chair, you know, at the big girl table, uh, which I highly recommend that you do Mm -hmm. stand on that girl, you know, stand on that little chair, stand up. Um, And, and this is why I love creating relationships with other women. And this is why I love coaching for those, for that reason is like, you see someone doing something and that doesn't mean you, it, it's going to be exactly the same relationship that you're going to create with it. You, I don't mean copy them, uh, but there's definitely things that they have done, things that they have used to their advantage that you can learn from, that you can be like, yeah, okay, I'm going to learn what, how she's done it and what she's done. Uh, and that that's definitely going to help you create powerful relationships or help you move towards I guess your vision or where you want to go. But I think I was actually thinking about this while I was peeing just before we started. <laughs> I was, um, I'm a bit of a deep thinker. So I actually don't listen to a lot of stuff. Uh, a girl actually came up to me this morning in the gym and she's like, tapped me on the shoulder and kind of spun me around. She's like, you don't wear headphones in the gym. I said, no, I don't. She said, you're really weird. And I said, yeah, I am super weird. She said, how could you, how can you train and not wear headphones? And I said to her, well, I've actually always trained pretty much in silence. Like when I trained from home for five years, very rarely would I have anything on. And I'm actually not a huge consumer, not saying that it's not helpful. It totally is, but I'm actually not a huge listener to things. I, if I have a great conversation with someone or like Mel, when Mel and I had that conversation and she said that phrase about the table, I'll just take that and I'll just run with it. And I'll just let it like run through my mind and really think about it and let it marinate into me. I don't like to often try and get a lot of information in my brain because there's already a lot going on. Anyway, so I was peeing and I think I've forgotten where I'm going to go with this story because of the headphones story in the gym. Um, Yeah, I completely forgot. So I don't even know where I was going. You were sitting in the toilet. You were about to grab the toilet paper. <laughs> I don't know. You asked me a question though. So you, you were talking about I don't know that I got hung up on the fact that you don't wear headphones. And you know what? Full disclosure, I almost only wear headphones. I haven't trained in a conventional gym for a long time or a commercial gym in a long time. But when I did train in a commercial gym, the headphones were a sign of please don't talk to me. Absolutely. They're a sign of fuck off and I don't yep. like it No, because <laughs> I'm open to like, I want to, yeah. you know, I want to talk to people, especially if there's other women in there. Like I love having conversations with them. I love talking to them about their training. Now that doesn't mean I just want to talk the entire time. Like I'm a very hard worker, but there's like an openness, I think that comes from not wearing uh, headphones. The main reason why I do it is because the gym, the noises in the gym are like a symphony, like an orchestra to me. It's like music and I love it. I love hearing the the clanking of the weights yeah, and the bar and like just the different noises people make. And I just, in my mind, it creates this like this music and that sounds super weird I know but I find it very therapeutic just to hear noises of the gym so which you know what's really funny is that these people that wear headphones probably don't even realize that we're enjoying the noises that they make because they can't hear the noises absolutely I get a lot of 
pleasure from it. Yeah, hearing the noises that come out of some people. <laughs> and their, their headphones must be really, really loud. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I really wish that I was going to remember my pee story because I feel like it was going to be good, but I can't. It'll come back to you. Like the urge to go to the bathroom, it will come back to you. Yeah. yeah. What were but- we even talking about before? The table, sitting at the table, the lessons that we learn from other women, we've just used women as the example, but other women sitting at the table. Um, Yeah, I don't know. Don't know where you were going. Okay, well, I think thinking about your table is really important. How do we think oh, about the no, table? I know where I was going. I told you it would come back. Yes. <laughs> yes. It's all about the table. People are going to listen to this and be like, how many times can she say fucking table? In She's obsessed with table. <laughs> yes. Sometimes I'll do an episode and if it's about a concept, I'll say it over and over and over again. My mind is like, stop saying that damn word because they're just going to be like, not that effing word again. <laughs> Anyway, I have to really go back to my pee story before I forget it again. So I was sitting and I was peeing and I was thinking about what you want. Like, what do you want? And I used to believe or I used to think that women didn't really know what they wanted. But I I think I don't believe that now. I think I believe that women know what they want even if they're not super consciously aware of everything all of the time, coming back to this like deep knowing, I think that they do know. They know what they want. And this is why they've been trying all of these things for so long to get those things that they wanted. And first, I really want to celebrate that. And I think we need to bring awareness to the fact that I think that you know what you want. Like I think that I I think you know what you desire and how you want to feel. And I celebrate you for trying some women for decades to try and get that. And then it it was a it wasn't a super long piece, so I continued these thoughts after. And then Mel's just like cracking up. <laughs> Uh, so women have spent decades trying all of these things and like why haven't they worked well they do work initially they totally do and what I'm referencing is like if we wanted to feel better or lose weight or change our body you know we'll do things I call them like the short way home And they're very seductive, so they seduce us and they do work for a little while, which is why they're even more seductive. Uh, So the diets or the programs or, um, you know, They've got their little black dresses on, they're showing a little leg. Yes, that's right. They are, they're seductive. Because one of the things that I do believe that we want is we do want to be seduced. And- seduced by a lot of our relationships and so when we think about the short way and trying these things they're very seductive and they work but then they don't (laughs) so 
I'm super fascinated about why that is. And a lot they're of just, the time they're the fuck boys in our life, right? They come in, <laughs> they get what they want. Amy has not been single in years, so I can speak from this. <laughs> um, and then they just leave again and leave you worse off than where we started. <laughs> That's amazing. I was not going to describe it that way, but beautiful, beautiful. <laughs> yes. Uh, so they can leave us worse off. Now, why is that? Where a lot of the times these things don't work with our body, they create lots of stress and we just don't have the foundation. We don't have the strength in the nervous system to be able to deal with that. But also we focused just on the things like just on the food or just on the diets or just on the training and there's a missing piece which is why I started to get really fascinated with our relationship to them because I can give you a training program and for sure it can work for a while uh, and it can get you results but if you don't have a powerful relationship with that training or your training it's not going to be sustainable. It's not going to be a long-term committed relationship, which is what you want. You don't want a fuck boy relationship with training. Uh, and it might feel good for a short while, but what we really want is these long-term sustainable results. And we're trying to, we're trying to find them for sure. We've been, some women have been trying to find them for decades and so this is where this fascination for me comes from. It's because, and I don't even tell a lot of my women what to eat. Of course, there are foundations and there are principles and there's some science behind it, but I don't tell them what to eat. I'm more fascinated in helping them with their relationship with food than I am telling them exactly what to eat. Because if we can look at the relationship that we have with the thing and do work on that, then we can create a powerful thing or a better thing or the thing that can help us get where we want to go. It's funny that you yeah, describe it like that because the thing that came up for me when you were talking about that is like in terms of our relationship, you know, how quickly if we don't look at our relationship with say food or training or with ourselves, how quickly that turns into the point of conflict or the point of resistance. Oh, I'm just not good at exercise. Exercise is not for me. Oh no. Like I've just, you know, I can't eat healthy. I always fall off the bandwagon and it's almost an obsession from like a flip side. Like it's a real anti-relationship. Is that a thing? I don't know. Yeah, um, I think it's totally a thing. I think that's how we live most of our lives. Yeah. With anti-relationships. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and uh, so uh, it almost becomes this, like that is our obsession then, that relation with our relationship with not wanting a relationship with the things we know we're going to change our life and get us the things that we want. Yes. They become... I guess you could work, use the words like unhelpful or toxic or, you know, whatever language you want to put in there, not powerful. Um, 
And a big one is around food. You know, I became very fascinated with our relationship with food a very long time ago after my sister had anorexia. And so that's what sparked that fascination with it. I think I've always been very fascinated with our relationship to our bodies just because of my athletic background and I've been in physical practices for so long but again not having the awareness of of that until you know the last decade or or so that it is a relationship and to me I just think what if we were teaching our girls about this what if we were teaching them about relationships and how relationships aren't just things that you have with other people they are the most important relationship I believe that we'll ever have in this life is with ourselves. <laughs> Sorry. It's the only consistent, right? Yes. And don't you want it to be a damn good relationship? Man, if I don't have a good relationship with myself or my body or training, I will be pissed when I'm going to die. I'd be pissed. <laughs> so I don't want to be pissed when I'm, when I'm dying. And I've just so envisioned this, think- this, like, you know, the world-breaking news, first woman to levitate on her deathbed, and Amy's like, I fucking did it. I'm happy in all my relationships. <laughs> Goodbye, world. And then you just float yeah. off into space. <laughs> I love that visual. And I'm not saying that I have perfect relationships with everything in my life. That's not what I'm saying. I don't. What? You're that not perfect? Music- Using the example that Mel just brought up about my reinvention, yeah, my relationship, one that I've had to work really, really hard on is uh, to do with my business and knowing and understanding my value. So my relationship with value from a business perspective. And so the goal isn't to have perfect relationships even with our intimate lovers, that doesn't exist, yeah? We need to constantly allow and receive and listen and understand and work on them. And that's every relationship in our life. So it's the goal is in perfection to have these easy, breezy relationships. And I can't, I think that's kind of what we think, you know, especially when it comes to our training or our health. If I can just get there, then it's going to be okay. Or I don't have to continue to be in the work of it. And that's not the case. (laughs) You have to wake up every day and choose to be in relationship with it. And I guess my question is, what kind of relationship do you want to have with it? So I wake up every day and I choose the relationship that I have with myself. I choose the relationship that I have with my body and my training and food and of course, over time, you know, I believe we, there's like so many deaths and rebirths that we have, reinventions and redefinitions in our life. That's going to change as well. Uh, but I think knowing, understanding that it's a choice is, I think it's really, empower, it's empowering. It's so empowering to know that actually, you know what, I get to wake up every day and I get to choose what kind of relationships I want to have. Absolutely. I've interviewed a girl a couple of podcast episodes ago and she brought up the concept that you can't hate past versions of yourself because it's who you, it's made you who you are today. Like all of these things that you've done, these births and, uh, sorry, deaths and rebirths, 
you've needed them, thank them so that you can get to where you are. But how do we, I mean, something, I mean, I don't know, this could be quite a triggering topic to talk about. You get to choose. You get to choose who you show up for, how you show up, these relationships. And when we're so in the chaos and in the overwhelm of dirty dishes and loads of washing and years of not having a movement practice and a relationship with food, how do we all of a sudden choose? How do we go, oh, hang on a minute, that choice is mine? Okay, I'll take you through an activity that I did. I've done with my warriors sometimes, all right? So we'll have like a circumstance that, like you just mentioned, Mel, or we'll have a belief or a thought or a story. I often like to call it a story because I believe it's the stories that we tell ourselves about how hard it is that is why we can't get where we want to go. Uh, and so we have we have that story or the belief or the circumstance. Now, what I get a lot of my women to do is go and look for some evidence that they've actually had similar stories or beliefs or circumstances before and they have been able to move through that. They've been able to move through the fear. They've been able to, to get where they want to go with that circumstance or experience. So looking for evidence is really important and we're very shit at doing it. Just like we're really shit at looking at our progress and celebrating ourselves about how far we've come. Now, I believe that we should celebrate ourselves, but I also think not good enough, do better. <laughs> and so, and this is just me, it doesn't have to be with everyone, but it's an and for me. It's not an or, it's like an and. So with my women, I go, okay, let's go look for evidence. We're going to go hunting for evidence in the times that you have been overwhelmed and frustrated and you've had fear. And so for a lot of women uh, who are mums, we go back to when they got pregnant and they thought shit, like how, I don't, I don't want, how, what, I don't even know what I'm going to do. And I, I don't know what to do when I'm terrified. And like, is, is the baby okay in there? And is it going to hurt giving birth? And like, yeah, I just don't know what I'm doing and all of these stories and thoughts that come up and I and we roll with that and we think, okay, so let's unpack that. How did you move through that? You know, did you have a board of directors? Again, we can use the table. So we need a board of directors to help us, like a wise council. Who was on your wise council? Why did you find it helpful? Um, you know, another woman the other day, it, hers was around like public speaking and we went back to like in her childhood when she was speaking, you know, in the classroom, giving a speech and we unpacked the evidence around that and all of the times that she's actually gotten up in front of a room and a board of directors, literally in a company and spoken and had the confidence to do that. Like, how did she do that from being terrified? So we went and we got a trail, a paper trail, essentially of evidence so I would invite you when you feel stuck or overwhelmed or you can't do it, one, it's just not a true story because you've done hard things before in your life. I guarantee you, you have. And if you haven't, I'm like, how did you get around that then? <laughs> I want to know. Well, you don't recognize um, it as hard, right? Or someone, yes. yeah, you've belittled it or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And and we have such a hard time then relating this to like our health and our training and our bodies for some reason. It's like we can see evidence in other relationships in our life when we've done hard things and we've moved through it. 
And now we need to take that and use it for the stuff that, you know, why, why are we stuck around this training thing or this body thing or this food thing? So go and look for evidence. That's the first step. Then the second step is just deciding who do you want to be? You know, the other day, a woman, she was so afraid that she was just going to fail and not be able to do her sessions. Uh, And I said to her, well, who do you want to be? Do you want to be the woman that does your sessions, that has a training practice? Like right now, can you tell me? She said, yeah, like I want to be that woman. I said, well, okay, you got to, first you have to decide that, decide that you actually want to be that woman that want that does that thing. I think that's really important to declare it. Again, we have such trouble declaring things. I want to be the woman that does X. Then the third step is, okay, let's go looking for all of the challenges and all of the obstacles and all of the stories that are going to come up that we feel like are going to stop us from getting what we want. And they can be very you know, very logistical, like scheduling and time and money. So a lot of what we call external obstacles. And then there can be a lot of internal ones. And I just find it's the story that we tell ourselves. The internal obstacle is the biggest obstacle, really. Because there is always a way, especially if you have an amazing table and an amazing board of directors to get around the external obstacles. Uh, And so it's really just the mind's way of like protecting you from the the real story that's going on and so then we go through that so we need to work through all of that pull it apart break down all of those challenges and all of those obstacles because remember if you're working with a woman that is where you want to be she's done it (laughs) she's done it many times over so she's got you or if you have an amazing table I guarantee you that those women that are in bigger seats have done it have had the same obstacles so get curious about how they got through it and then the fourth one is just got to take action you got to do it (laughs) Uh, And it sounds, yeah, sure, it can sound pretty simple. It's not always easy. I get it. But really, in the end, it's like, okay, if you've gone through all of those steps, the next step is we just got to take action. You just got to do it. And then if you can't, you got to go back to start. Well, it's like, you know, obviously we're always looking for evidence. We're always asking, who do I want to be? You know, we're always working through challenges and obstacles, but I find if you're really stuck on the action part, it's because you haven't done the previous three, or this is just how I frame it up. You know, I'm like, there's many other ways to do it. Uh, But, and this is how we just do it in warrior school. And I find it's really helpful. Um, Yeah. yeah. If you're not looking for evidence, the opposite is going to appear in front of you. You're right. I'm not good at this. You're right it's really hard. You're right. I shouldn't, you know, I don't deserve this or whatever it is. And so, yeah, you're going to stay stuck in that action is really hard. Um, I was listening to your podcast quickly this morning about the 21 day challenge that you and I are in the midst of at the moment. And when you first started your business, you know, social media was really sticky and icky. And this 21 day challenge is us learning to have a voice and um, voice our message essentially. And it is, it's really this skill that I'm learning is really uncomfortable, but put a barbell on my back and let me squat. 
not a problem. Put me in the kitchen and let me prepare a really nutritious meal, not a problem. But this thing, act of showing up every day is really hard. And right now the evidence is that I'm not good enough or I don't know enough and all of this stuff. And if I believe is that. It the evidence or the story? The story, That's sorry. The story. sorry. Yes. And yeah. then. But you've looked, you're looking for evidence that you have done hard things in other areas of your life? Well, for me, it's the women that I'm working with. Like it's an insult to them if I say I'm not good enough and it's an insult to their results if I say I'm not good enough or I don't know enough. Like, and so like you said, like these women that we have in our table and our vicinity, yeah, come back to our source of inspiration and inspire. I don't know if that's where I wanted to take that, but yeah, just showing up and doing the hard thing because internally, you know, it's there for you. Yeah, I like how you uh, brought that example up, Mel. And what comes up for me is that when we're looking for evidence, we're not looking for the exact evidence of the thing that we want to do because we don't have it because we haven't done it. So you, you it. Ain't we haven't gonna, done it. Yeah, you ain't ever going to find it. So if you're like stuck in there and you're distracting yourself trying to find that exact evidence, it's just a form of distraction that the mind's using from prevent like to prevent you from actually taking action I don't mean find the exact evidence just find some evidence that you've done hard things before and you've been afraid and it's been uncomfortable so Mel's example is amazing what's coming up for her right now and for a lot of creators and when they presented the challenge I knew for a lot pretty much all of them it was going to be so uncomfortable because I remember what it was like three years ago when I start like started to show up on social media. I felt all of those things and had all of those stories. And it's just three years later, that challenge turns me on. Like I actually, I love it. I thought, and that's just, it's a normal day for me, really. Yeah. Like the the rules that we have to do for the challenge, but that is, I built the capacity to do it. So John, a business coach, he talks a lot about this. And what I, how, what I, where I will go with all of this stuff, you know, when you were talking about the dishes and the mess and the chaos, and it's extremely hard to do all of this work with a nervous system that is not strong. If you don't have a strong nervous system, which means like a nourished body, and you don't know how to regulate yourself and manage your stress, it doesn't matter. Doesn't matter, you know. All the evidence, all of like the the I guess you know the overcoming of the challenges and the obstacles. Like if you don't have that strong nervous system, all of this work is so much harder. Then if you aren't in the work of keeping it strong, it's going to be hard. So we can use Mel's example of her twenty one day challenge. Now, she she may be able to do it because she's done work on her nervous system and so she's got a she can regulate herself she's got energy maybe she gets halfway through the challenge i think we're halfway through now and she has like fuck it days like she was telling me like she had yesterday i told you that in confidence <laughs> okay well no it's fine we all have them yeah, yeah absolutely them. there's days that actually i want to give up almost every day I do. I have some thought, whether it's in my training practice or my business, of like, I just want to give up. But I don't because I'm so connected into my vision and my purpose. And, you know, but I think it's okay to want to give up for sure or to have fuck it days. So Mel had a fuck it day. Maybe her nervous system was a bit rattled. Now the mind's really want to get, just wants to give up. It doesn't want to do the stupid fucking challenge. All right. But the, 
she just needs to come back to how can I regulate my nervous system? You know, how can I, and this is what she does in her work is with all her women, we've always got to come back to regulation and keeping our nervous system strong. And this is why food is so important uh, because we can't do these big, bold, scary, cool things in our life if we're not good self-regulators, if we can't keep our nervous system strong. So that's really important work, which Mel <laughs> and Amy. <laughs> yeah. I actually and just got Amy you. on my podcast today to talk about me um, and how great I am in the work that I do. So thank you, Amy. Yeah. <laughs> You're so welcome. But see, this is this is important because other women, other women should be able to talk about other women's work. And so a couple of years ago, I started to form some really cool, powerful relationships in this space. You know, and when I talk about this space, I'm talking about this health space, this metabolic space. And those relationships are with other women that do similar work to myself, but it doesn't come from this competition or this negative comparison place. It comes from the inspiring place of some of these women are at a bigger seat on the table than myself, or maybe we're in the same seat, but they're doing something slightly different. And so we need, this is why it's so important to be in a room full of inspiring women. Uh, and not come from this place. Brené Brown, her definition of comparison is uh, the crush of conformity and competition. And I really like that. I think it's really, really Because you feel cool. it, yeah. Yeah, you feel the crush. When I read that, I was like, yes, like we're in a compactor and like the compactor is just like crushing us and it's from conformity about like how we should be and what we should do and how, what we should look like which I've been against pretty much my entire life uh and then competition and now I don't mind me some competition actually uh but it's the the crutch of the two and then maybe the competition's not inspiring you it's actually um creating the opposite effect and so Brené Brown's definition is super cool and I'm sure a lot of people listening can be like yes that's what I feel all of the time on a daily basis this like crush of conformity about how I should be and how I should look and then this competition of me just like trying to compete with my friends and all of these other women that I follow on social media and yeah it's just like a compactor it's so true. It is so true. And at the end of the day, yeah, we're, we're the only one that feels the weight of that comparison. These women that are off doing inspiring things, they're not looking at us feeling uncomfortable by what they're doing. And so let them be and find your own inspiration. Or, yeah. So how do you teach women how to regulate their nervous system and do hard things? How do I teach women? <laughs> uh, well, I'm notoriously known for taking the long way, uh, <laughs> the long way home. And to me, you know, I always believe that home was back into the body, uh, that we loved, that we felt safe in, that we trusted, uh, 
And I think home is still that, but home is also the place that we have all of these powerful relationships. Uh, so yes, I'm notoriously known for taking the long way. I was actually on a uh, one-on-one call with one of my warriors and she's going into a different phase in warrior school. She's been with me for a year. And the first like nine to 12 months are really hard because I essentially help them build a foundation. You know, I honestly think that there is this, these um, needs for women or like training needs for women or even just, you know, needs for women that we need to meet. So it's like a pyramid. There's like a base of the pyramid and then it goes up from there. And that's kind of how the model works inside of warrior school. So these women come in and we meet their body where it's at. Uh, you know, we look at regulating their nervous system through a practice that's a training practice that's working with their body through food Uh, And really just looking at where all their relationships are and what relationship we need to work on to to support them where they're at. But she's been with me for a year. Anyway, she's gone back into a gym and we're actually changing her training up quite a bit. And she was so scared to go back into a gym. Uh, But she's done her second week and she's, she's loving it. And she's loving the environment and the challenge. She's very inspired. And I said, yeah, well, you know what? You earned it because like, I've just dragged you through 12 months of like the hard, like hard 12 months of doing like foundational work is hard work because it's unpacking all of these relationships, slowly rebuilding a food strategy. A lot of all of my women do mobility and stability and body weight strength work. And so it's very slow practice, creates a lot of friction and a lot of frustration which, you know, I, I know because I've been there and this is why I practice because I had to do it. I did it that way. You know, like I had to do it the hard way. It took me 12 months to get from being flat on my back in pain and weak and broken to this place of like having a pretty strong foundation. And so the women go through the same thing. So we were just laughing. I'm like, you know what? You've earned, you've earned it. You, I, you have, like, I celebrate you because that 12 months is really, really hard. Um, And I think, you know, I just want to offer or invite all of the people listening, show up and do it for 12 months and just see what happens. Like 12 months is not a long time. Try it on. Just try it on. Try it on and see, you know, I want to be the woman that has a practice three or four times a week try it on for a year and just see what happens. For sure, it can be easier if you are working with someone because when you feel the friction and you want to give up, it's a little easier when you have that board of director or you have someone on your team. But where I was going with that story, I think was that, you know, the first nine to 12 months, if you're in this place where your hormones are a mess and you you don't know what to eat and you don't know how to train and you have no energy, it's probably going to take a good nine to 12 months to build a good, strong foundation. And I just know that from my own experience and now from working with hundreds and hundreds of women, that can sound really scary. Uh, But it's really cool work because once you've built the base of that baby, that foundation, you ain't ever going back. (laughs) You've got a foundation And I talk about this a lot, like in training and the training practice, it's like, if you learn the movement 
right and you build it properly, you will have access to that for the rest of your life. So I could not do a pull-up for a year and I would be able to get up there and do a pull-up because I had to spend two goddamn years learning how to do a pull-up properly, yeah, and building the foundations of like my hanging and the ability to be able to, you know, articulate the body properly and then building the volume or the capacity to do a pull-up. I ain't ever going to lose that ever. It'll always be there. And it's the same with all of this stuff. Build a foundation and it will always be there. Sure, you know, sometimes in life something's going to come up, but you'll have the ability to be able to regulate yourself and it won't throw you off kilter as much if you have that strong foundation. I didn't really answer your question that much about what we do in warrior school, but <laughs> that's what you and I do. We go off on tangents and yeah. that's what we like. So my um, yeah. friend Dave has this um, analogy that there's no bandwagon. There's only education and priorities. And so for you, it's those foundations. As long as you've got those foundations and for me, you can't go any, like that. you can't undo those foundations. Those foundations are there. They're set in concrete. And even though the, your priorities might change, the foundations will always stay the same. Yep, I'm big on foundations. Yeah. Um, all right, we're going to wrap this up. And I love this because I told Amy my notes and she's taken me very well through my own notes without me having to do it. So thank you, Amy. But we're going to finish off with some fun little questions. Okay, Amy, are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. Hit okay. me. So what is one skill that has helped you work remotely or from the four walls of your apartment? Oh, what is one skill that has helped me work remotely from my apartment? One skill. This is a good question. Is this how you thought that I would respond? Like really like. No, I tried to. (laughs) I I I thought you'd be like, okay, good. Yes. And you'd just fire it out. I was like, I tried to pick nice questions for you. I feel like I want to go deeper on it, but what comes up straight away for me is I think discipline is a skill and I'm very good at being disciplined. Uh, So that has helped me communication also I'm very good at communication whether that's with my coaches or building relationships I think has been uh, another thing so I'm going to say discipline and communication boom it's funny when Amy and I had this chat the other day um we were like asking each other questions and like quickly deflecting and I'm like no you can't deflect on that question because that's what I do to avoid talking about myself (laughs) We met each other at this crossroads um, because we love communication and learning about other people. Mm. Okay. What is one of your favorite self-care activities? Okay. Right now it's going to be hot, cold exposure therapy. Okay. Why right now? Does it change? Yeah, I guess it could. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, it's always training, like mm-hmm. having a practice is Self-care. my number one. Yeah. The number one that I, number one thing that I do, uh, 
But right now I'm going to say I'm really, really enjoying the practice of hot, cold exposure therapy, deliberate hot, cold yeah, therapy. Um, okay. I love it. I'm a little obsessed with it. <laughs> Sorry. Can I ask, have you, yeah. before you did specific hot, cold therapy, did you do cold showers and things like that? No. Oh yeah. Like I've done some cold showers. I used to do saunas a lot when I was competing in Olympic weightlifting. So we would go and we would do sauna sessions. So deliberate heat exposure to help my recovery. I never was very good with the cold. And so one of the reasons why I am doing it is because I don't have a strong relationship with the cold and I want to build a stronger relationship with cold. And so the cold water and the deliberate cold exposure is helping that um, and helping that. Yeah. So that's why I'm doing it. Do you think that's going to help with another Canadian winter? Well, no, because I think it's a bit different from, mm-hmm. you know, uh, deliberately sitting in an ice tub for a set amount of time and then going back into a hot sauna than just being outside walking my dog in zero degrees but I will keep you posted uh, on if I feel a little better out in the cold I'm not sure that I will though Uh, so (laughs) I don't know but right now I love it because it's a two-hour session so it actually I go somewhere for two hours and I told you I like competition a little bit and I'm a little extreme and so I really like the fact that it's very hard and extremely uncomfortable and it pushes me so there's that aspect but it's also I sleep really well my recovery is better you know there's certain things that have come up from it anyway that wasn't a short answer so sorry next That's one okay because I'm like, oh yeah, dig into this. Okay. Last one. What's a fact or something that has recently blown your mind? Big or small? Okay. So this is the first one that popped into my mind. Uh, I was doing a series of presentations for BC Athletics a few months ago. And when I was doing some research, I found a statistic that said in 2020, I think it was, or maybe 2019, I can't remember the exact year, but only 6% of exercise science research was on females only. (laughs) That blew my mind. It's insane. Yeah. Blew my mind. (laughs) Yeah. How much is, yeah. But how much of it is targeted towards females? Not necessarily the research, but the industry. Not very much. So I found that statistic very fascinating. Um, yeah, because we're apparently very hard to study because well, we women have are so difficult. Yeah, cycle. <laughs> women are just difficult. They don't deserve attention. <laughs> So that's a stat that blew my mind. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, Is there anything else that you would like to add before we wrap this baby up? No, thank you. Thank you for inviting me on. It was a pleasure uh, to be on your podcast. And also, you know, congratulations for birthing this baby into the world. She's not an easy one to birth into the world. 
Sorry. She's not, but I love her. I really love her. And it's honestly been one of my advantages. I freaking love having conversations. I love hearing people's story. I love this medium. I love this so much more than Instagram. So, you know. Yes. Yeah. Thank you for that. Yes. Wouldn't it be cool if like my, where I'd love to take my podcast is on the road and to do them live and to video them and sit in a room, basically sit at the table with all of these really cool women. Uh, I think it's one of my favorite things too, Mel. I love having conversations. Um, Also, even when I do solos, you know, I'm having a conversation with you with other women I think it's really cool yeah that's an art in itself an absolute art um so yeah thank you for teaching us all the things um if you don't follow Amy on social media you should definitely go and follow her what's your handle Amy at Amy Kate Bow B-O-W-E um or listen to her podcast. The Warrior School Podcast. <laughs> you almost sounded like Siri there or the Zoom lady. Excellent. Thanks, Amy. Mal, thanks so much. <laughs>